I call this sermon, Who Are You Becoming? Anybody take notes? We take notes at New Birth. We take notes at New Birth. So come on, right there at the top. Who are you, who, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? You see, we just came out of Jesus' Wept series. If you, if you missed it, jump on the podcast, New Birth Youth slash Young Adults. Find the Jesus Wept series. We was in the, book, uh, the gospel according to John. Uh, how many of you guys kind of understand the book of John a bit more after just preaching on that same book a couple weeks straight? Tonight, I'm going to be jumping to the book of Mark or, or the gospel according to Mark. You guys here tonight? Somebody say the gospel of Mark. You're going to see it in the New Testament. Go ahead and pull it out. Just pull up Mark uh, right there in the middle of your Bible. If, if your phone glows, if your Bible glows and you have the Bible app, go ahead and pull up Mark. Um, we're going to be jumping into uh, a couple verses here. But can I give you the context, right? So my question is, who are you becoming? Because when you know who Jesus is, you, there's something that has to start coming inside of you, the Holy Spirit, and, and, and the yearning for the things of the Spirit. But my thing, here's the thing. Like, if you're not putting work into who you're becoming, it's not that you're not becoming nothing. You're becoming something. You're just not aware of it. If you feel like, oh, man, I need to do more Christian stuff to be more Christian, and until I do that, I'm just stuck. You're not stuck. You're actually moving in the wrong direction because you're always becoming something. Something, something in your life is, is pushing you. Something in your life is pressing your nerves. Something in your life is coming against your face, sometimes even coming against your back, and you're stuck in this place. You're like, God, are you, are you? No, 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 listen to me, listen to me. Who are you becoming? Because everything you do today is building who you are tomorrow. Somebody say, who am I becoming? Somebody say, who am I, who am I becoming? See, in the, in the book of Mark, I want to give you this. Mark is the shortest gospel. I promise you, you can read Mark in a day. I, I, probably two hours if you, if you commit to it. You can read the whole book of Mark. I hope you go home tonight to start in Mark and, and begin to read Mark. Here's the thing about the book of Mark. It's put together by Mark. It's penned by Mark, right? It's put together by him. But it's also in association with Peter. So theologians say, right, people who study the Bible, who study, uh, you know, kind of the context and they go into the original writings of it, they say that Peter, this is his gospel. So when you read Mark, it's not Mark's gospel. It's Peter's gospel, but Mark is bringing it forward. You guys with me? Mark is writing it. He's putting it together. He's like, all right, Peter, let me know what's your gospel. Let me know because Peter, if you guys don't know who Peter is, he's very close to, to Jesus in his life. And, and he, he has a really cool story. But, but here's the thing. Peter, with all the time he spent with Jesus, he begins to speak into Mark. And Mark begins to write this gospel. So Mark's gospel is actually Peter's gospel. Does that make sense, y'all? Like, it's just a ghost writer. Y'all hear? And when you read the Bible, you got to know there's a, there's a ghost writer in every single book, every single verse, and that's the Holy Ghost. Hold up. So he's all over that thing, all over the place. So Peter has given us his gospel through Mark. You see, the book of Mark was, it's actually written 45 to 60 AD. Theologians, historians, they say this book was actually brought together around 45 to 60 years after Jesus had died and, and, and resurrected. I'm telling you, you can read it very quickly. Can I give you the theme? of Mark, right? Because we're not just going to jump into a book and pull out a verse. We're going to understand what the book is, who's writing and what they're trying to say. You guys with me? Here's the theme of the book of Mark, the theme. So we're not just going to read a verse. We're going to see, we're, we're, we're not, so many times this year, we do sermons about like the leaves, but tonight I want to show you the tree. Can we do that? Can, can we just show you the real big theme of the whole book of Mark? And as, you, as we begin preaching this, I want you to start reading it at home. Uh, here's the theme. Christ is the servant of man. He's the servant.
heaven of man. Jesus Christ, right? You guys know the Christmas story. He was born in the manger of a virgin. Joseph was like, yo, you pregnant? And I didn't even touch you, girl. What's going on? And she was like, listen, an angel came to me. She said, this is, this is, this, blah, 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 blah. And uh, you guys know the Christmas story, right? It's that Jesus. Jesus came to serve mankind. So when Mark is putting together Peter's gospel, Peter is actually trying to pull out this theme that Jesus is a servant of man. Jesus is here to serve you. Jesus is actually here to help you. Jesus is not this rod of correction every time you fail. Jesus actually wants to pick you up and point you into a new direction. Anybody love the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Man, I love the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit, how would I know how to gauge what's right and what's wrong? How would I know how to gauge where he's leading me and where he's not leading me? It's the relationship with the Spirit that lives inside of me that directs me into the heart of God. You guys with me tonight? So when you read this theme of Mark, when you read the book of Mark, it's Peter writing it, but the the main theme is, is that Jesus is actually your servant. He wants to help you. He wants to come alongside you. It's not enough. We read that last week. Take off those grave clothes. It's not enough to just be saved. You got to also be set free. Jesus wants to see you alive, thriving. He wants to see you humble, not with pride, not with arrogance, not clapping bad at everybody you know that's coming against you. That's the way of the world. That's not the way of Jesus Christ. I love how he starts the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most important uh, uh, messages the world's ever seen is Jesus like really spitting game to the whole world. And he's like, hey, if someone hits you, they slap you, turn the other cheek. And everyone's like, yo, you crazy, dog. But here's the thing. It's crazy until you have the spirit living inside of you. Generosity is stupid until you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Worship is retarded. It's it's karaoke until you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And then you say, man, this is a moment. I feel God talking to me. I feel him touching me. I feel him tugging me. He deserves my worship coming to church every week just seems like a bad thing to do. No, no, no. When you have the spirit, you know the value in this thing. You know the value in reading God's word. It's not just the verse of the day. Oh, verse of the day. Oh, verse of the day. Oh, verse of the day. Go ahead and feed yourself. Get get, get into the word and read something. God will speak to you because the spirit in you is the spirit in the scriptures. And how awesome is that? That God gives us the spirit inside of us that coincides with the spirit that that wrote the book of the Bible. God wants to grow you. Jesus doesn't want you to just be saved. He wants to serve you. He wants to help you. He wants to help you. You you only know how to do relationships the world's way. Let's learn it God's way. You only know how to do finances the world's way. Let's let's try God's way. He, He wants to serve you. He wants to help you. Break up the book of Mark into, into three sections. You have chapters one through nine, and, and this is really the preparation of Jesus' ministry. And if you go home and you read this uh, this week, and now for next Tuesday, I hope you do it from now next Tuesday. Hello, I love you so much. You can read it in a day, but a couple hours. Verses uh, chapters one through nine. Again, it's broken in three parts. Y'all with me? I love the Bible. It's broken up in three parts. The first section, verses one through nine, is the preparation of Jesus. You see, when Mark is writing this, he, he's so quick. Like, here's my next idea. Immediately is used over 40 times in the book of Mark. And immediately, and immediately, and immediately, and immediately. That's just four times. Imagine 40. Like, he says it a lot in the book. And what he's doing, he's giving us a fast-paced version of Jesus' ministry. He was here. 
and then he was there, and he healed that woman, and he did that, and he casted out the demons, and he corrected the Pharisees. He, he read their thoughts and gave an answer. He shows up here and raised somebody from the dead. He walks over here, and Mark is showing that he isn't just God. He's actually serving mankind. He's actually doing stuff for the people that, y'all with me tonight? If I'm here to tell you that Jesus is a servant, I'm going to tell you he immediately went to go serve. And he says it 40 times. So when you're reading Mark, you're going to see, man, this is a fast-paced version of Jesus' life and ministry. That's verses, that's chapters 1 through 9. Chapter 10, that brings you, it turns a corner. It's like the final destination. From chapters 10 all the way on to chapter 16, you see Jesus' ministry in one sense and area. And it, and it proceeds forward. You guys still with me? this fast-paced version of Jesus' life. He's saying Jesus went somewhere. He did this. He's barely even given, like, context. Like, he's all about the action. He's, I'm, I'm very much like that. Like, if you had to tell me a story about someone that got shot, don't start in the beginning of the day when the dude woke up. So he woke up. He brushed his teeth. He went to work. He clocked out. Like, bro, just tell me, is he alive or is he dead, dog? I'm the type of, I like the action. Like, give it to me. Just, get, just, just give, me the, give me the crazy stuff first. I want to talk about the fluff. That's the book of Mark. He's all about action. Immediately, immediately, suddenly, he did this. He's showing Jesus serving human nature, mankind. You guys with me? He's, he's showing Jesus. He's not waiting. He's not, oh, let's just, like, let's try this. No, he's like, boom, 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 boom. Serving, 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 serving. And that's Jesus. So imagine the spirit available to all of us. You see, when you all go home tonight and you pray, the spirit goes to each and every one of you. I believe the spirit inside of me is much better than Jesus beside me. You see, God sent Jesus. Jesus sent the spirit. Y'all with me tonight. Here's another way of seeing the book of Mark. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. But even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see that? It's Jesus Christ being a servant to mankind. Jesus didn't just come to be served. Jesus, fully God, fully man. This is crazy. We've never seen this before. He's like the best version of Thor you've never seen. Fully man, yes, but fully God. Fully man, yes, fully God. And not only, not only is he fully man and fully God, but he's fully in love with you and he's fully ready to serve you. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I didn't come to sit on the throne and say, hey, come, come serve me. Come, 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 come feed me grapes and wine. And as I, as I chill in the Roman Empire, no. He says, actually, I'm here to serve you. That's the Jesus you serve. This is paradoxical. Why? Next idea. Christian authority is to be used for servanthood. Ooh, I'm going to break this down. Because you have authority. Do you know that you got authority? When you say yes to Jesus, oh, my God, you don't know what's going on in the heavens. First of all, there's a party. He got saved. He got saved. He got saved. There's a party going on. The Bible says it. There's this celebration. That's why we turn up here on Tuesday nights every time someone says yes to Jesus. We're joining heaven in the celebration. But not only do you get saved and there's a party and, man, your mansion's being ready. Get ready, girl. Your mansion is ready. Get ready, girl. It's not just that. You know what else God has for you? He has the Holy Spirit for tomorrow when your boss pisses you off. Oh, we don't want to talk about that part of God now, don't we now? 
Because my Christian authority is used to stomp on the devil. But what happens when your Christian authority is actually used for you to be humble? And how many times are Christians caught in corners where they don't want to be like Jesus? Because, wait, no, my Christian authority is above this. No, 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 no. Jesus, your Savior, was born in a manger, not in a double tree. The Bible says there was no room. There was no place for him. Christian authority is for ultimate servanthood. How else would you prove a God that doesn't exist? By serving people. And they look at you, dude, I talked bad about you. I hurt you. I stole from you. And you still forgive me. And you still love me. I wouldn't even love myself. You crazy. But so is your Jesus. Christian authority is ultimately for servanthood. And that's why a lot of people don't remain Christians because they don't want to be a servant. They're waiting for the crowns. Where's my mansion? I said yes to Jesus on Tuesday. Where's the promotion on Wednesday? I thought this Jesus thing is supposed to work in 24 hours. Man, Jesus ain't Amazon Prime, you know what I'm saying? He's right on time. And sometimes a yes to your future is a no to what you're asking for. How are you going to be able to make it forward in a world that, that, that needs the spirit inside of you when you try to mimic the spirit to look like the world? Listen, that Christian authority, that Holy Spirit living inside of you, that's actually supposed to change the world around you. Not because you're forcing people to be like Jesus. You're forcing people, oh, turn and burn. Say yes or you're going to burn. That's not evangelism. That's religion. And it's disgusting. And if Jesus saw you, he'd look at you and be like, I died for that girl. Why are you pushing her away? I died for that guy. Yeah, I know he looks weird to you, but listen, there's a pastor in there somewhere. There's a leader in there somewhere. Don't look at people the way the world looks at them. God has a different set of eyes when he looks at you. Christian authority is to be used for servanthood. You see, when he's writing the book of Mark, when he's penning it, it's Peter's gospel, he's actually, he actually has a people group. So there's, there's people he's writing to. You know who he's writing to? The Romans. Remember, Jesus broke the Roman Empire. Not with his life. His life was amazing. But when he died, when they killed Jesus, the Romans thought they were good. Oh, we're good. We, we, we killed their leader. And just this underground church started coming up within the Roman Empire. So Mark is writing to the Romans. That's the people group. And these are people who love authority. These are people who use authority and abuse it. These are people who use authority for their own self-gain. These are people who use authority to put people down and elevate themselves. But then now they're reading a book from Mark, who's actually Peter, saying all that authority you have in God is actually to serve, being obedient as a servant. You see how it's making sense now. We understand the tree instead of focus on the leaf. Romans, they value order and authority. They use authority to establish order. Here's my next idea. The highest level of authority should always function in the lowest way. Ooh, paradoxical. Why? Because Jesus is the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. There's no one stronger than Jesus. He goes in a boxing match. He doesn't have to lift up his arms. He doesn't even have to put gloves on. He just goes, be gone. And he just Thanos them. Like, 
There's no one that can fight Jesus. There's no one that can go hand-to-hand combat with Jesus. Like, you can't do it. He is God. He's not a man. He is God. And he rose up on the third day, and he has ascended to the Father. But isn't it funny that the highest level of authority functioned in the lowest way by serving his own creation? Think about this for a second. The Jesus that came with all authority and power and silent storms stood on a cross for you and me. That is authority at the highest level functioning in the lowest way. That's authority in the highest level functioning in the lowest way. Some of you guys don't stay in conversations that don't feel good too long because you just, you just get fidgety. Imagine Jesus on a cross that he could literally just ascend anywhere where he wanted to. He could heal himself and wipe everyone away, but he endured it because sometimes to blow something away, the highest level of authority needs to be used in the lowest way. And that's what leads you to repentance. Do you understand that? It's his mercy and his kindness and his grace that leads sinners like us to say, man, I need to lay this thing down because I got a God who's calling me to a better life. And he loves me and he paid for it so I can stand on it and use it for God's glory. So now we jump into the verse. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Passing along, keep raising the pad up. Passing along the the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. But they were fishermen. Anyone like going fishing? A few of the proud. Chris likes going fishing. Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, right? So Jesus, he, he's recruiting, right? He, he's looking for his disciples, the people that are going to be in that one famous picture, you know, the Last Supper, like the people that he's going to be kicking it back with for the next three years, like the people he's going to use and just like just show his glory through and they're just going to be like, whoa, we had a disciple. Like imagine if you were the 12 disciples. Wouldn't that be so much fun? You know what I'm saying? Like we go anywhere like, yo, Jesus is here. What's up? So Jesus is walking along. He sees Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net. So he sees some dudes fishing. He looks at them. He says, follow me. What? Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They're fishing for fish. Jesus looks at them and says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And that's what we're doing every single Tuesday night. We're going fishing. We're just throwing the net. Man, I, I hope you can say yes to Jesus tonight. And Jesus looks at potential disciples, actual, actual disciples, and he says, follow me. Follow me. And I'll turn you into fishers of men. When you meet Jesus, he turns you to a fisherman. I love this. Didn't I tell you? He says immediately 40 times, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately they left their nets and followed. You guys with me? I got a question for you. So here's the thing. When Jesus said, Jesus said, follow me, and, and, and you'll be, I'll make you become fishers of men. Here's my question. Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Because if you're following Jesus, you're becoming a fisher of men. But if you're following your own way and your own will, you're actually just fishing for fish. And it smells a little fishy. My next quote is this, if you follow, I will make you to become. That's Jesus. That's what he's saying, right? If you follow me, I will make you to become. 
I want to become a preacher. Follow Jesus, and he will make you to become. I want to lay this sin down. Follow Jesus, and he will make you to become. I want to change. Follow Jesus. I didn't say date Jesus. Like some of us are loving with Jesus is a Tuesday night date with no communication in between. Same place next week. <laughs> Check, please. We got to grow in that. Because if you don't follow Jesus, you're not becoming anything. Jesus says, I want, I want you to become a lot. I'm here to serve you. But you first got to follow. You got to walk with me. Through, through hell and high waters, let's walk. Let's get really good at walking together. I'm tired of you trying to walk and leave me behind. Let's walk alongside each other. That's the life Jesus wants with you. And he says, listen, but I'll only make you to become if you follow me. You guys with me tonight? Isn't that, isn't that like all the TV shows you watch? Like the beginning is pretty all right. The end's pretty okay. But the middle of the show is just like so juicy. Like writers really, they create shows like that. Like the meat of it, it's in the middle. You know that. Like the meat of it all is in the, in like in the process. Like... And back to commercial break. You're like, why? They're toying with me. Can I tell you this? So much of what God wants to do is in the middle. Because there's this place when you're praying for something and you're waiting for something and you're asking for something. There's a place before you get there that you realize that he's all you need, that he's all you're really looking for. So when you really understand that, when you catch that, then those things, it's just salt on the entree of loving Jesus. Just a little bit of pepper. Just a little bit of, no, 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 but he's blowing me away every single day. And I may have not got that thing yet, but the only thing I need is Jesus. And, and some, some of what God wants to do is in the middle. Here's my next question. Are we going to trust God for the making and motions of our life? Are you going to trust God? When he actually starts putting things together to grow you? Are you going to trust God when he allows some things to come into your life just to make you become something stronger? Will you trust God or will you back away? Or will you shy away from opportunity? Will you shy away from promotion? Will you shy away from growth? Or will you jump into the mix of it all as he, as he makes you become who he's called you to become? Who are you becoming? This is when the sermon's about to switch over. You guys ready? You guys with me? There are some things that actually make you become stuff. You guys with me? There's a friend. You, we all have that one friend that really knows how to push your buttons. And if you X that friend out, I'm praying for you. You know what I mean? Because that's just simple, right? Just cut out everyone we don't like. But Jesus didn't do that. Sometimes the people we're trying to cut out is actually the people God wants to use to grow us. But that's another night. So there's things that actually are put in, in life to grow you. Here's the, here's, here's, here's the next thing. Listen, through patience, I want you to really write this down and believe it. Through patience, I'm becoming. I'm going to say patience. Not that many people have patience. Not that many people can, can, can play the long game. The waiting game. And some of you are waiting, but if you learned how to wait right, you'll become quicker. If you know how to wait the right way, because listen, there's never a day that you try God's patience. 
He's so patient with you. You know that he's so patient with you. For some of you, God's literally giving you everything that you're going to be. He's literally giving you signs. He's literally done so much, and he's still waiting for you to put the thing down that you're still going to. He's so patient with you, but we're so impatient with God sometimes, right? Like right here, right now, what's up? Do it. Do it. No patience. No trust. No development. Just relax. And breathe. He's your friend. Not your fairly godparent. I love that shit. <laughs> He's your friend. He loves you so much. He wants to just, he wants to do more than give you what you want. He wants to give you what you need. And that's him. And that's him. He's patient with you. He's patient with me through the good and the bad. Grow some patience. I promise you'll become something greater than what you are. Understand patience is actually sometimes what God uses to grow you. Can I tell you another thing? Through process, I'm becoming. I become through patience. I also become through the process. The process. Ooh, that's not a fancy word nowadays in 2019. Anything that takes a process, we want to fast forward things. Loading. That's like a millennial's nightmare. The process. The process is actually building you up to be something you never thought you could be. God, why would you let that to happen? You don't have to know everything to be completely satisfied in Jesus. Trust the process. The process is actually making you become something great. I actually like to exit every single process I go through because I don't like uh, tough conversations. Well, you'll never grow. I actually don't like confrontation and like kind of talking to people how I actually feel. Well, listen, if you're never honest, God can never grow you. Through the process, you're also becoming. In the process. In the process. In the process. Listen, don't cheat the process. You ever had a steak taken out too soon? Man, that's the worst. But I like my steaks medium. So sometimes it's not the worst. But I haven't been in the hospital yet, right? And the steak, the steak ain't cooked too right. You know, there's too much blood, too much. It's, it's nasty. And some of us are coming to God, and he's like, man, you actually left something that you were supposed to stay in a little longer. You actually walked out of something that was going to build your character. You actually walked out of a relationship that was actually going to grow you. And now, instead of you growing, there's this waiting now. So when you miss the process, it'll always just bring you back to patience. Patience grows you and, and allows you to become. So does the process. It grows. Y'all here tonight? The process is actually making me become something I never thought I could ever be. Listen, watch this. Like, so here's the process. What's a process if you never learn anything? Because learning is the hinge that opens doors to opportunity. Learning is the hinge that opens doors to opportunity. What's a process if you didn't learn nothing? That's the, the process is just going to restart. Oh, you didn't catch it? I'll do it again. Oh, you didn't catch it? Oh, I'll do it again. And God's like, when are you going to learn? 
change everything around me. He's like, I'm trying to change you. The process, don't, don't escape. Let it, let it sit. Stay in the fire a little longer. Because there's another in the fire. Come on, somebody. That's my jam. The myth of the process is that you're not really moving. Don't believe the, the lies of the enemy. The myth of the process is that you're not actually growing. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. The myth of the process is that you haven't arrived, so God's not actually working. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. You're not what you want to be, but you're definitely not where you used to be. God is with you, and he's not against you. He's for you, and he's walking alongside you, building you up to who you are becoming. See, patience grows you. Process grows you. You know what else grows you? Through pain, I'm becoming. Ooh, I hate that one. Pain is the greatest revealer of what's going on inside. Through hot and cold moments, he is making us. He is developing us. Through hell and high waters, he is molding you. When the kitchen gets too hot, stay in the kitchen. Because God is He's going to do something beautiful in your life. And you'll never know God to rescue you until you need to be rescued. You'll never know God is a deliverer until you need a deliverance. You'll never know God is a provider until you actually need him to provide. You never knew God has someone for you until you stop saying yes to everyone the enemy is presenting to you. I heard someone say this once. If there's so many open doors in your life, it's probably not God. <laughs> if you're going through open door and open door and open door and open door, you're probably walking through the doors of the enemy that are leading you the wrong direction. And sometimes you got to walk through the door of pain to just become a bit stronger. have to happen to keep you on your knees. We preached that last week. But understanding, you see the perspective switch. In the pain, I'm also becoming. You see, watch this. This is it. I'm, I'm ending right here. You see the pain, process, uh, you know, patience. None of those things are fun. But that's what God uses to grow you. That's what God uses to, to, to give you a process. But what happens when you want to be perfect? Live in the perfect place. Do the perfect things. Have the perfect house. The perfect job. And, and now you've become something that you thought was great. But not what God thought you were when he designed you. So when you run away from pain, you run away from patience, you run away from the process, you get to this world that you begin to build of the perfect people in the perfect places at the perfect time you're doing the perfect things. And my question to you is, who are you becoming? Can we throw this video? I love, I love this video. I love that episode, but I was so scared of this episode as a kid. I was like, that's what adulting looks like, huh? 
last idea tonight. You can be in the perfect place. I'm waiting for you. Throw it up. At the perfect time, with the perfect people becoming a perfect mess. You, you, you can be in the perfect place with, at the perfect time with the perfect people becoming a perfect mess. What's scary about that is that he wanted to live in that neighborhood, Squidville. He lived next to a sponge and a starfish. He said, I need to go to the squid community. I need to be more squiddy. So he goes into this neighborhood. He's doing the right things. He's got the right job. Man, everyone looks alike. They're all playing the clarinet together. But he's dying inside. And if this, watch this. If you escape on who God wants you to become and become who you want to become, that's your final destination. You'll, you'll get to the place where you say, worship team, come up. You'll get to the place where you say, years gone by and I didn't move a step. Seasons went by, and I'm worse than how I was when I started this year. Because every time I went through pain, I thought that that was God punishing me. Because every time something called on my patience, I thought that that wasn't the plan of God for my life. Because every time I had to go through a process, I always walked out too early or stepped out the fire too soon. Because I actually wanted control over my own life and my own destiny. Chapter 1, verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, we throw the verse up. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. It says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. You're not a fisher right now, but you're a fisherman of fish. But I got something crazy for you. You see, you're going to meet me, know my power, because I'm here to serve you. You're going to know who I am. You're going to learn my nature. You're going to come alongside me. You're going to see me do move mountains. You're going to see me perform miracles. But here's what you're also going to do. You're also going to go out and reach more people in my name. You see, Christianity it isn't about you. Like, grow up, yo, for real, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. This is like the mad John coming out. Because we think that if it doesn't look good, it's not God. That's not true. Jesus didn't look good on the cross, yo. It was rated R. It was rated R. Kids would look and be like, oh, my God. And that's the plan of God to rescue all humanity. It may not look good. It may not sound good, man. Stay through it something up in you, I promise you. Don't run away from church when you're called to grow. Man, stick it out. Grow a little bit. Like, let's seek after God. Like, let the yearning inside of you, let it just burst out your chest. It's just some things that you need to do. Christian authority is to be used for servanthood. That's what Christian authority is for. All this power, all this presence, man, Tuesday nights are amazing. But, but what are you if it just stays inside of you? You're an atomic bomb waiting to burst. Man, receive the love. 
instruction of God and just let it do something in you to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. And as you follow him, there's going to be some valleys. There's going to be a process. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be tough conversations. Like, are we going to be the type of people that drop out because it's hard? Are we going to be the faithful few that say, God, do everything. You are good. And I may not understand it. And sometimes I might not even see it because the waves are crashing, because the waters are rising, because the, the fog is everywhere and there's lightning and there's thunder. And I can actually question if you're real. But the faith inside of me is rooted to who Jesus is. something amazing inside of you and you know it you know it stop playing games you know it's inside of you you know you're here tonight you're not here for no dang reason like you're here because you're waiting for something to happen that already happened jesus already rose up he rose up he gave you his spirit man let's receive it feed it and walk in it because you become something you never thought would happen man i said this two weeks ago if i knew i would be here i wouldn't be here As you seek after God, and as you follow Him, you will begin to become something you never thought possible. Pastor, I can let go of this addiction. Let it go and hold on to Jesus. Pastor, I can't do it. You're already, you're already, you're already lost. You, you look at your language. You know that the power of life and death is in the tongue. You understand that? Yes, you can. You're a son of God. You have the Spirit inside of you. Pastor, I can't let this pray. I can't let this thing go. Here's my first question. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? I promise you. Next time you're going to have sex with that girl, throw on some Hillsong. Do you really want to be different? Do you really want it? Because every time it's time it's going to porn, what if you set an alarm to pray every time? Oh, I feel Jesus in here. He's speaking. He's speaking. He's speaking. Some of you guys are making switches right now. You're going to make a switch. It's time to turn up with your friend. No, 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 no. Put on some music and call on the name of God. Come on. We're going to feed the spirit and starve the flesh because all this authority is to serve people. All this authority is to be humble. All of this authority is to be used by God. All of this authority is to walk through the fire. All of this authority and presence and goosebumps is to be Jesus in the world around me. It's not for me to just be full or spiritually obese. It's something coming out of you. Because if you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it's not enough that he happens to you. He also has to happen through you. Who you become. 